one of the things that I love to share with people is that our belief in God is not just dumb luck or foolish faith, but it is following the evidence of what we have seen. And the fact is that in addition to the truth of Scripture, in addition to all of the historical uh, evidence that has existed, one of the greatest testimonies to me of the power of God and the reality of His existence is how every single week around here, we see Him orchestrate things and do things in a way that makes us look good, but really it's about Him. And we see healings. I mean, just over the last few weeks, we've had miraculous healings. We see people, when they accept Christ, how their life is transformed, how their addictions are so often broken, how so many things change because of the power of God at work in people's lives. Well, what you're about to hear today is another example of God showing Himself in a way that only He can do. A few months ago, you know, we plan our services uh, many months in advance. Right now, we're planning through until September, what's going to happen each Sunday. And, uh, and so months ago, we were planning for this service. And I've been praying about this day. And frankly, I had a message that I was like, I think this will be a good one <laughs> for today. Uh, and yet, there was a name that kept coming to my mind. And when that happens, many times you have to realize that's God. And so, uh, so sure enough, finally, on a day that I felt like God was just putting it on my heart, I called up Sarah Street here at our church and said, is there any possibility you would prayerfully consider speaking on Mother's Day? And she said, Joel, it is amazing that you ask because God has put a message on my heart and I didn't know when or where I was supposed to give it, but that God would reveal the time. And, and if you would have called me just a few days ago even, I would have maybe said no because I was, you know, wrestling with some stuff and, 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 uh, and maybe would have been intimidated to do so. But the timing of God was so clear in you calling at the very moment that you did, in the season that you did, and for me to say no would be disobedience to his leading in my life as well. See, those are the kind of things that only God can orchestrate. And so I want to ask you the question in, in just a little bit different way than normal. I always ask, are you ready to study God's word today? But I'm going to ask if you're ready to study it with Sarah. So you've got a great passage of scripture. Here we go. Are you ready to study God's word today with Sarah Street? <laughs> Good morning, everyone. Happy Mother's Day to all the moms out there. My name is Sarah Street, and I love the Lord, and I love this church. I've spent a lot of time at this church, um, from being a baby in the nursery, learning about Jesus in Sunday school. I asked him into my heart in the kids' ministry. I really grew in my faith in the youth department, went on mission trips. I graduated from the Moncton Christian Academy here at Moncton Wesleyan, and I went on to be a registered nurse, like Bonnie said, at the Moncton City Hospital. And for the past 10 years, all the, all the nurses out there, <laughs> happy Nurses Week. For the past 10 years, I've worked in oncology, so with cancer patients, and I'm presently at the Breast Health Clinic, and my passion is really walking with people through their cancer journey. 
I met my husband actually for the first time out in that atrium and Mark Street is the rental coordinator here at the church and we have three kids. Sadie is six, Matthew is four, and Micah is two. And I'm in what some people would call the trenches of motherhood. Okay, you with me? <clears throat> I mean, I'm just getting out of the sleep deprived phase. My youngest was up six times last night and awake at 5.45 this morning for the day. So you with me? The background to my life sounds like this. Mommy, 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 mommy. I mean, it's constant, it's on repeat. I don't even notice it anymore. I can't have a conversation after church in the atrium with anyone because if I take my eyes off my kids for two seconds, two seconds, people, they're gone. It's over. And I wanna give you an example of what it's like to be in the trenches. I don't know if you can think about the last time that you went grocery shopping. Just recall that moment. I don't know if maybe it was stressful, you felt rushed. Maybe like me before kids, you enjoyed it. It was kind of pleasant. Maybe you've used online grocery shopping and you just pulled up and they loaded it in. I'm so computer illiterate, I can't figure that program out, but I have to because for me, grocery shopping is a little bit like going to battle. Okay, you with me? I have to, I, sorry, I wait until my family's supply of edible, sustainable goods has run dangerously low. Till my family's very survival depends on my ability as a primal woman to leave the shelter and safety of our home and voyage out into unfamiliar territory to secure food for my family. Are you with me? Okay, I have to be physically, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually prepared for this. I gather supplies. I need my list, phone, wallet, diapers, wipes, snacks, activities, water, and the list goes on. I gather my supplies and I reach the grocery store, okay? And it's all about occupying the children, keeping them distracted and in their seats, stuffing snacks in their, in their face, answering their numerous questions, while at the same time, not forgetting anything on my list, calculating the best deal on the various items, while not disturbing the other humans and keeping everybody going. In fact, sometimes panic ensues if I might see someone I know. I might even dart the other direction because I cannot stop, never stop. Everything falls apart when you stop people. And then you reach the cash and you feel like the trophy of victory is on the other end of that cash line. Okay, and on this particular visit, we've made it to the cash, okay? I'm distracting my kids from all those awesome snacks that are very cruelly left at their eye level, okay? And I'm sweating and we're almost done and then out of nowhere, my precious four-year-old boy, Matthew, yells at the top of his lungs for the entire store to hear, Mom! Ew! Micah pooped! <laughs> I'm gonna warn you, this gets graphic. Micah not only pooped, 
but it's coming up his pants. Somehow it's made it to his hairline, okay? It's all in the back of the cart. And I promise you, you can't make this stuff up. This is real life. I go to grab my wallet, because thankfully she's finished my order. I left my wallet in the car. For real life. So I have to do the walk of shame. Have you ever done that? Gritting my teeth with the cranky children. I have to take my soiled son out of the cart. Okay, we walk to the car, my kids are cranky. I'm not even gonna describe to you what happened in that car, it's not pretty. But we get him cleaned up. I got no clothes for him, but I was so excited to find a dirty t-shirt underneath, stuffed underneath the seat. I'm like, oh yes. Turn that t-shirt around, I put his feet through the armholes, I (laughs) tie it around him, make some sort of, bring the cranky kids with me back into the store. I can smell my cart from a mile away, okay? So we clean that up, we pay for the groceries, and even after all those setbacks, I still feel like a triumphant warrior woman who successfully secured the splendor for my family, and that is grocery shopping as a mom. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. (laughs) See, being a mom in the trenches, it's not glamorous. And uh, I can remember two years ago being in this very auditorium and I was standing at the back and I really came broken. I felt hopeless, I was lost, I was physically drowning in the responsibilities of motherhood. And I came desperately needing a word from God, desperately needing to be in his presence. But my baby was fussy, he was a newborn, so I'm bouncing him in the back and I'm catching snippets of the sermon and the worship in the atrium and I'm getting him to sleep in the halls. And it was in that moment that God met me right where I was at. And a scripture that I'd been reading, he spoke it right into my heart. And it was transformative. It was like an anchor to my soul When the storms came, I had this. And I am so excited because I truly believe that God wants to reach every single person here, whether you're a mom or not. He wants to capture your hearts like he captured mine two years ago. He wants you to have joy and peace amongst the storms of your life. And I'm so excited to get started this morning. If you have your Bibles or Bible apps on your phone, feel free to turn to Isaiah 55, eight to 13. And we're gonna start in verse eight. I'm gonna talk about other scriptures, but this is the main one that I'll keep coming back to if you wanna open. Isaiah 55, eight to 13. Let's read together. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, Neither are my ways, or your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. As the rain and the snow come down from heaven, and do not return to it without watering the earth, and making it bud and flourish, so that it yields seed for the sower, and bread for the eater. So is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. 
You will go out in joy. You will be led forth in peace. The mountains and the hills will burst into song before you and the trees of the field will clap their hands. Instead of the thorn bush will grow juniper and instead of briars, the myrtle will grow. This will be the Lord's renown for an everlasting sign that will endure forever. Let's begin by um, examining verse eight when it says, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. And I don't know what your thoughts or your ways are this morning, um, but I'm gonna share some of mine. Being a mom can be isolating. Right now I work part-time, so one week I work and the next week I'm off with my kids. And when I'm home with my kids, I mean, you feel very lonely. Like as I depicted, taking your kids out in public can be tricky at best. And getting a babysitter is expensive, so you're often left alone. And interestingly enough, we do have a modality to socialize with one another being social media. And Joel talked about social media last week and, and discussed you know, the internet and, and media and the way that it can negatively impact our lives. And I wanna take it from a different perspective this morning. Don't get me wrong, I like social media. I'm active on social media, I post. I find it can do so much good. I found support groups on social media. I'm aware of events on social media. I've been able to encourage and pray for people through it and I've received prayer and encouragement myself. But it also can negatively impact my life even when I'm not even aware that it's happening. See, it can be discouraging. For me, social media can sometimes leave me comparing myself to others. And this can lead to feelings of pride or more, more often, for me, leave feelings of like I don't measure up. So let's use the grocery shopping example, okay? Let's say I just returned from this epic effort, okay? And I get home, I settle the kids, I log on to Facebook or Instagram, and I see pictures like this. <laughs> Are you with me? Do you feel my pain right now? This is not my reality ever, okay? I don't measure up to this. Or the next picture takes it to a whole new level. <laughs> I mean, come on, that's not real life, there's no way. And it leaves us feeling like we just don't measure up. No one's lives are perfect. And if I'm struggling in my marriage and I see a couple frolicking on their exotic getaway, that's hard. Or maybe you're a single person here today and, and your heart's desire is to have a family and kids and a spouse and you see images of families and that's hard. Or maybe you're a mom who feels like she's crumbling under the pressure of continually meeting the needs of her husband and her family. And I see images of the independent single person having all this independent single fun and that's hard. Or maybe today you've lost your mom or you never had a good relationship. Maybe you're living the journey of infertility or miscarriage and on a day like today, the images on social media are hard. See, whether or not you're active on social media, we can compare ourselves 
And I've heard it said that comparison is the thief of joy, isn't it? It leaves us feeling lies. And I don't know if anybody here has a lie in their heart this morning of discouragement, discontentment with their reality, longing for something more than their reality. Maybe you feel worthless, undeserving, guilt. I've got good news for you today. The lies that you're believing are not the truth God has for you. Isn't that awesome? And instead of looking to each other to gauge whether or not we measure up, why not take those thoughts captive and bring them to God and compare yourself to him, his measurement for you. And let's see, you know, in verse eight, let's read, for my thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. Thankfully, God's ways are higher than ours and his thoughts are different. Psalm 86.5 says, you, O Lord, are forgiving. Did you hear that? You, O Lord, are forgiving and you're good and your love and you're abounding in love to all who call your name. God is so good and his love is life-giving. His love is so powerful, it can invade our hearts and totally transform our lives if we want it to. 2 Corinthians 12, 9 to 11 says, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why for Christ's sake, I delight in weakness, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am made strong. It's awesome, it's so good. It's God's truth for you today. And we all have weaknesses, right? But isn't it so awesome that we can actually boast about our weaknesses? We don't have to live in feeling worthless and undeserving and like we don't measure up. We can actually boast about our weakness, but not as like an excuse to stay in it and live in it, but so that God's power will rest on us. An example of this is a mom in this church, Misty Spencer, and she's also a pediatric nurse, and she's an awesome mom of two twins, Maya and Mason. They're eight years old, they're precious. And it was at a birthday party at Hop, Skip, Jump, which is another story unto its own. We won't get into it. If you've ever been there, it's wild. But it was at this birthday party that Misty shared with me and said that another mom had actually complimented her on how patient she was with the kids. And Misty was almost emotional when she shared it with me. And she said, Sarah, I said to her, I'm a terribly impatient person. And God has actually been working on this area in my life for a couple months now. And the fact that this mom actually saw me as patient means that God is actually working in my life. Isn't that awesome? Like, 
Like verse 9 says, therefore I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness so that Christ's power rests on me. That last part says, when we are weak, then we are made strong. And if you're looking around right now and, and your heart is really longing for something more than your reality, I would challenge you that what you are looking for might be found in God. See, God loves you so much, he not only wants to secure your eternal salvation, he wants to redeem and sanctify your life right now here on earth. There is strength in God's name, there is power in his name, there is peace and hope and healing in his name, and it comes from a real relationship, a real relationship with him. It comes from daily surrender, sometimes moment by moment surrender. It comes from spending time in his life-giving word. It comes from praying and being still and listening to God's still small voice in our life. And it's powerful. For when we are weak, God makes us strong. So now let's move on to verse 10 when it says, as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return to it without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish. Let's talk about the rain and the snow. I don't think I'm alone when I say I am so excited spring is here, right? That was a long, hard winter. And when you got kids, oh, it's hard, it's hard. And I don't know how many people here made plans this winter and were anticipating the plans only for a snowstorm to roll in and mess it all up. Unless you're a kid whose only plans is attending school. That's the exception. But otherwise, snowstorms mess things up all the time for us, right? And sometimes in our lives, we make plans. We have goals and dreams, and we anticipate these plans only for a storm to come in and it just messes it all up. <clears throat> and I wanna share a bit of the rain and the snow from my family over the past couple of years. Mark and I were preparing to have our third baby boy, Micah, and we were so excited to meet him. We were really thrilled. But we were also a little nervous because Micah uh, was diagnosed when he was in my womb with a condition called club foot, um, which was very treatable. But we didn't have any genetic testing done in our pregnancy, so we really didn't know for sure if he would have any of the genetic conditions that were associated with club foot until we met him. So that left me feeling nervous, uncertain of the future, um, and a little bit anticipating his birth. And I had no idea how traumatic his birth would actually be. Uh, he didn't have a genetic condition, um, but there were exactly four minutes from the beginning of my first painful contraction to the birth of my son, four minutes. And as a nurse, I knew right away, that's not okay. Babies aren't supposed to come that fast. And he came out blue and not breathing. I saw the panic in my nurse's eyes. I watched her pull the cord to call the code. 
and the team rushed in and they started resuscitating my son for eight long minutes and it was traumatic. And they brought him back, but they ripped him from me and sent him to ICU. They treated him and they monitored him and it was hard. And you can only imagine the dark emotions that me and my family had been feeling when we realized that the nurse we had an hour or two before Micah's birth has been terminated from the Moncton City Hospital and accused of giving labor-inducing drugs to moms without their consent. It's been hard, a lot of questions. And the snowstorm didn't stop there. My son, thankfully, was okay. And we, you know, and that, yes, thank you. <laughs> My son was okay. And, um, but he still had club foot. And so the treatment for club foot is going to the IWK, to Halifax, once a week for several weeks for the first few months of his life to get serial casting done. So this meant, as a family, I would wake my children up at sometimes three in the morning after being up with, through the night with the baby. We would put our kids in the car, we'd drive the three hours just to arrive at a hospital, get all the kids out, come in, and I, I'd watch them take off the cast with a saw while my baby cried, and they'd twist his foot as far as they were supposed to and put a new cast on. And as a mom, this is hard. I mean, I'm adjusting to having three little babies. And on top of that, we're going to the IWK week after week after week. And I felt like I was drowning. I was drowning in motherhood. But the real snowstorm hit on a beautiful day in May. My baby had just had a surgical procedure done on his foot and it went well. And we finally had a couple weeks to be home without having to go to the IWK. And I was watching the kids and my middle son, Matthew, who was two years old at the time, was you know, what I thought safely playing with his cars in the kitchen. And I went to get a diaper for my, again, poopy baby, and uh, went to go change him, only to my horror to realize my two-year-old son had just recently learned how to open a door. And I could see him running outside and I screamed this like blood curdling scream for him to stop. And I watched my son get run over by a truck. And it was, it was so traumatic that I actually lost my memory of those moments. For several weeks I had no recollection. But I always remembered being in the ambulance and holding my son. I was convinced he was eternally bleeding and I was praying to God, Lord, comfort him and help me to comfort him in his last moments. It was, it was traumatic. And we get to an emergency department and they start running test after test after test, no internal, internal bleeding. It, it, it was a miracle. They almost didn't believe that he was run over except he actually had tire treads on his side. And he did have a fractured pelvis, but because kids' bones are so spongy, his pelvis like actually bent to the side and it would bend itself back as he grew. He didn't even need a surgery or anything. It was an absolute miracle. It really was a miracle. <clears throat> and we're so thankful for that miracle. Matthew was okay. He was okay but I was not okay. 
See, I came home thankful for my son, don't get me wrong, but I came home to three kids, okay? Sadie is four, Matthew is a busy two-year-old who can't walk for several weeks because of his fractured pelvis. He's on narcotics at one point for the pain and he doesn't understand what's going on, it's terrible. My baby just had surgery and is recovering and I'm waiting to go back and put his feet in boots and bar system. Um, it's two boots that are attached to a bar and whenever they move one foot the other, I mean, it's a, it's a hard transition for a baby and a mom. On top of that, I'm traumatized. I have post-traumatic stress for sure. I'm woken up by nightmares, okay? I have random anxiety attacks that don't make sense. I have social anxiety. I can't leave my house. I'm terrified to even how to keep my kids safe. I'm carrying guilt because I was watching my son when this happened. I feel like it's my fault. I can't forgive myself. Darkness felt like it was all around me and my family threatening us. I didn't know how I was gonna make it through the day sometimes. And it was hard. And I wanna thank people in this church. I mean, we're a family, guys. And the minute you walk through that door, you are part of the family of God. We sang, we're all children, we're brothers and sisters. In this family, I have grandparents and I have aunts and uncles and brothers and sisters, kids and teens. We do it together. They say it takes a village. I'm thankful for this village. And people. People prayed for us. People dropped off meals without us even asking. And I want to thank you because we were in the middle of a snowstorm. <laughs> thank you, Shirley. <laughs> I was waiting for it. <laughs> Verse 10 says, as the rain and the snow come down from heaven, and listen to this, and do not return to it without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish so that it yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater. So is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. What if God wanted to use the storms of your life to achieve a purpose? What if difficult times weren't just something to endure and get through, God give me strength, wait for better days? What if he had a purpose? See, Debbie Curry, who's a, a part of the prayer ministry up at the front every Sunday, her and her husband, Brian, lead Cleansing Stream, a powerful ministry. And she said to me in the middle of the storm, Sarah, nothing lives or thrives in too much sunshine. And it's true. We need rain to come down. We need the storms to actually nourish the soil. And not only that, I'm a terrible gardener and my grandfather sitting over here, he has this like gorgeous garden in the back of his yard. And every spring, I see him go out there and start to toil the soil. That rhymes. And, uh, and he's literally ripping it up. 
And in the middle of the storm, I felt like my heart and my soul were completely shredded. But what if God wants to use that shredded heart and soul? What if that actually is fertile soil? It's perfect for him to take his seed, the word from his mouth, his seed, and plant it in that soil. And when that storm comes down and those rains come down in our life, they're actually meant to water the earth so it buds and flourishes. Four weeks before Micah was born, the pastor was preaching. So at this point, I'm anticipating his birth. I'm nervous. I don't know, you know if we're going to have a son with any genetic condi- condition. There's a lot of unknown. And, and the pastor was preaching four weeks from Psalm 23. And he came to verse 6. And it said, surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. And he explained, God doesn't promise us a perfect life. In fact, John 16, says, in this world, you will have trouble. He kind of promises it. But take heart, I have overcome the world. And he said, God doesn't promise us a perfect life, but he does say in Psalm 23, 6, surely your love and goodness will be with me all the days of my life. And I read that over and over. Anytime I would worry about the future, I claimed it. And actually, when we were in the labor unit and the nurse told me to go for a walk, my mom and I went down to the chapel of the hospital and we opened up to Psalm 23.6. We read it, we prayed it together, we claimed it. And I had no idea that I was walking upstairs to live it. And when my son came out not breathing and I really thought I might never meet him, and I'm crying these sorrowful cries that only a mom who's losing her child can cry. And I heard God whisper in my ear, my love and goodness are with you right now. And guys, the Holy Spirit filled that labor room. It was palpable. I literally could feel God hugging me in that moment and I was crying in his his arms. And I didn't know what was gonna happen, but I knew God's love and goodness was not gonna let go of me. And guys, God loves you guys that much too. He loves you that much too and his goodness didn't stop there. See, Annette Sullen, a wonderful woman of the Lord who was working in the nursery at the time, shared with me after the birth, she said, Sarah, God, in the middle of the night, you know, he called me and asked me to pray for your unborn son. And it didn't make sense to me. I knew he had club foot. I knew it was treatable. Didn't really make sense, but I did. I've been praying for your son for several weeks leading up to his birth. See, I believe in the power of prayer and I believe that God called Annette Sullen, that he knew my baby was in danger and he literally called somebody from this church to pray for my baby. And when I shared the most recent you know, outcomes that we've been struggling with with Annette, she said, Sarah, if I hadn't have said yes, God would have called somebody else. I'm just so thankful to be used and that is God's love for you today. And Matthew's accident, it was extremely difficult to process. 
But like I said at the beginning, God gave me Isaiah 55, and I kept coming back to it, and I was praying that God would use the shredding of my soul and my heart, that he would speak a word. I was begging for God to speak a word and plant his seeds, and that the rain would have a purpose to come down on the soil of my heart. Genesis 50, 20 says, you intended to harm me? but God intended it for good. To accomplish what is being done right now, the saving of many lives. See, God captured my heart in such a profound way that wasn't possible during the sunny days of my life. You know, before this, this, this storm, I knew God, I loved God, I worshiped God, I studied God, I had a relationship with God but I didn't need him. And in the storm, I needed God to make it through the day. And I don't know if you've seen the film War Room. It's a, if you haven't, you gotta watch it. It's a Christian film and the main character creates this space to pray and I, I did the same in my closet. And sometimes I ran to that war room, you know, kids trailing behind, praying out to God, begging God, crying out to him, venting my frustration to him, sometimes laughing with him, feeling like I was losing my mind with him, and God met me every time. And he didn't pluck me out of the storm. He didn't stop it all from happening. You know, sometimes God's ways aren't our ways. That's what I would have liked. It took time to heal. But God met me there. And every time I searched his word, he, the, his promises would literally jump off the page and into my heart. He literally gave me instructions on how to cope. And I posted those scriptures all over my closet. And the power of God was so palpable to me that when you experience God at this level, you can't ever go back. You are changed forever. It is an everlasting sign. And God wants that for you this morning. He wants it for every one of you. He's just waiting for you to cry out to him. He loves you. You see, Matthew, my sweet four-year-old boy, he's precious. And him running around, being silly after church, it's a miracle. I believe it's a miracle. But even at the very least equal to that or even greater in my heart is the miracle of how God reached me. How God reached my marriage, my family, how he's reaching my husband, how he captured our hearts, how he took that darkness that the enemy intended for evil and he took that, flipped it right upside down and said, I got you. This is for my good. You are better off. And that's what he wants to do today. And even in the past few weeks, as I have struggled to forgive a nurse that may or may not have tried to harm me and my baby, but how this whole scandal has hurt the hearts of any nurses here this morning. how I've wanted, I've struggled with these feelings of bitterness and unforgiveness and I've been struggling with them, you know why? Because they kind of feel good. But God, even in the past few weeks, has been whispering to me, love your enemy as yourself. 
Scriptures like turn the other cheek, forgive as I have forgiven you. And God loves that nurse just as much as he loves me today, guys. And he loves you. And I don't know, I don't know if you're struggling with unforgiveness. Maybe you've been carrying it around so long it kind of feels normal. For unforgiveness is my weakness this morning. It's been my weakness, but God has helped me forgive. He's helped me have peace in my heart. Even in the last couple days, he's freed me of that darkness. You see, it's only the loving, redemptive power of Jesus that can accomplish forgiveness like that. It's not something Sarah Street can do. 2 Corinthians 12, 9 to 11. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weakness, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. See, for when I'm weak, God then makes me strong. I can preach with confidence this morning because I'm living it now, guys. And I want you to stand with me right now. Will you stand? I believe that God is speaking in this place. I feel his presence. Can you feel it? He's here this morning and he's talking to you. And I don't know if maybe you're feeling thoughts and and discouragement in your heart. Maybe you're feeling like you don't measure up, like you're undeserving, you're not enough. Without God, none of us measure up. We all fall short without God. But with God, God sent his son his only son, to pay the ultimate sacrifice on the cross so that we can be free. All we have to do is confess our sins, believe that God is who he said he is, and ask Jesus to come into our lives and make us whole. And if you're here this morning and you desire a real relationship with God, a relationship, it's amazing. I'm gonna give you an opportunity to pray with me in just a minute and you can invite him into your life. I don't know if right now in this very moment you're going through a storm. It's a blizzard you can hardly see. It's all around and it's thick. And right now in the middle of that storm, God is asking you to use the ripped up soil of your heart to give it to him and allow it to be fertile soil, to to open yourself so that he can plant his word inside of you so he could speak to you. So those rains can actually have a purpose. Maybe you're living with unforgiveness. And like I said, it just feels like part of you kind of feels good. God loves you so much, he doesn't want to leave you in that unforgiveness. There is joy and peace when you hand that over to God. And sometimes in the struggles, you hand it over and guess what? The next day, you hand it back. You keep handing it, don't pick it up. 
You gave it to him. Don't pick it back up. Give it to him this morning. Maybe right now life is pretty sunny and that's okay. Maybe you're called like Annette Sullen and Debbie Curry and Misty, you know, to be encouraging to the body on the sunny days. Reach out to those people in storms. Pray for them. Help them. Psalm 86.5 says, God is forgiving and he is good. He's actually abounding in love to all who call his name. Not just the girl who's gone to church all her life. He's abounding in love to all who call his name. Matthew 7, 7 says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Don't just passively come to church and hope that God hits you over the head with a Bible. Seek him. Seek him. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open to you for everyone who asks, receives, and the one who seeks, finds. And to the one who knocks, that door will be open. And when that happens, the end of Isaiah 55, the end of the part, this is what God has for us. In the middle of the storm, at the end of the storm, you will go out in joy. You will be led forth in peace. Okay? The mountains and the hills will clap their hands. Instead of that thorn bush in your life will grow juniper. Instead of briars, the myrtle will grow. This will be the Lord's renown, an everlasting sign that will endure forever. Let's pray this morning. Dear Lord, we praise you and we thank you for who you are. You are the creator of all things, the king of everything, and yet you love us so much. We praise you this morning. And if there's anyone here this morning that desires right now to have that real relationship with God today, you can pray with me right now, out loud or in your hearts, God, on my own, I don't measure up. I've failed in so many ways, but yet you love me. You sent your son to die for my sins and Lord, I believe you are who you say you are and I welcome you into my life, Lord. Invade my heart, come and invade my life with your love, Lord, I seek you today. And Lord, I pray for every person in this place that you're speaking to. God, I thank you for speaking to us now. And Lord, I pray that you'll reveal yourself this morning, that there, if there's a lie or a struggle or a storm or a sin in our hearts this morning, that we would boldly come to you and we would give them to you, Lord, lay them at your feet. 
Lord, I pray you'll re powerfully reveal your presence in our lives. And instead of that thorn bush in our hearts, Lord, we pray for Juniper, that it will be an everlasting sign. God, I pray for chains to be broken, for great healing to happen right now. And we praise you for the revival happening in our church amongst the body of believers even now, God. We give you the glory, Lord. We praise you and we thank you for what you're doing right now. Amen. As we sing this closing song, I'm gonna invite the prayer team to come down right now. And I would encourage you, if God's been speaking to you, there's something that he's told you, give it to me. I would ask you to come down and get prayer this morning for that. Give it to God. Have this tangible step to experience the Lord and get prayer this morning. You can come right now. Even as we sing, you can come right now. And whether or not you come or you're in your seats, I would invite you to reach out to God like I reached out to him in that hospital room. And I pray that everybody, as they reach out God, he's gonna meet you. He's gonna change you. And he's going to do great things if you just let him. Let's sing together. <laughs>